0: Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for the... Uh, to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Do you hear what I hear? That's the question that we've pondered now uh, for the last couple of weeks this Christmas season. We've talked about ears to hear uh, and the command that we have in scripture to hear. And then we looked at the story and we, we worked through it this way. Hear the first words, the angelic greetings of fear not. Hear the old words, particularly the words that the angels use to explain and to describe uh, the coming of Christ. Hear the old words as they're spoken uh, by Zechariah and Mary as they interpret what they have heard and what they are experiencing. Last night together, we considered here the miraculous words, and today hear the joyful words. Let me pray for us. Great God in heaven, we pray that this morning, once again, you would allow us to hear, to hear you, to hear the good news that is proclaimed in the coming of your Son into this world. Enable us to do that, Lord. We know you've commanded us to do it, but we can't do it without you and without your constant and regular work in our lives. So let us hear this morning the joyful words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When God the Father sent his one and only beloved Son into the world, he sent him surrounded by joyful words all around Jesus. The, the setting was decked with beautiful, joyful words, words that were spoken by the angels, words that adorned his coming into the world, words that we love, words like peace and gladness, words like consolation and comfort, rejoicing and blessing, and words like joy, that will be our focus this morning. Fear not, Said the angels, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Even the unborn, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are joyful at His coming. You remember what Elizabeth herself testifies. She says to Mary, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. John was full of the Holy Spirit from the womb, set apart unto God. We may not know much about ten lords of leaping and what the actual source is of ten lords of leaping, but we do know that there was one leaping baby, a leaping baby in a womb that leapt at another baby who came in as well, who was also in a womb. The uh, father didn't want there to be any misunderstanding when his son came into the world. He is sending the greatest gift into the world that he can possibly give out of his love. And the oil, the oil of gladness anoints this holy royal son whom he is sending into the world. The oil of gladness, that's a phrase that may be a little bit unusual to our ears. I want you to know from where I'm drawing it because I'm going to reference it in another place in just a moment as well. Psalm 45, which is a song of royal wedding, says this about the the coming of this great king who will come. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions this one, this husband, this child is anointed with the oil of gladness. It drips all over him. The father wants the world to know that with the birth of this child, the year of the Lord's favor, spoken of in Isaiah 61 and that very scroll that Jesus unrolled at the synagogue in Nazareth to read exactly this. The year of the Lord's favor has been inaugurated with the coming of this child and this child who is anointed with the oil of gladness brings with him more oil of gladness that he intends to pour out on people as well. Isaiah 61 likewise makes this clear. Isaiah 61, speaking of this one, to grant to those in Mount Zion who mourn, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. This one who is himself anointed with the oil of gladness comes into the world with the oil of gladness, ready to anoint those who are brokenhearted, those who are sad in this dry and cracked world. God desires to bring joy into a sad world. God intends to bring gladness. God is determined to bring leaps of joy into not only the womb of one woman, but into all those who will follow after and believe in this son. God is so decidedly dedicated to this bringing of joy that he sent his beautiful son anointed and surrounded by words of joy to come into this world and to people to speak words of joy. At Christmas, God the Father is committed to the distribution and to the dissemination of joy in, through, and unto his Son. Now, Good Friday, today is not Good Friday, but Good Friday tells us the cost of this joy. It tells us that this eternal Son, whose eternal state was gladness and beauty, would need to be bedecked with the sadness of this world in order to secure the joy, in order to secure our joy. He would need to become the man of sorrows. He would need to take that upon himself. He would need to be acquainted with grief, but make no mistake, the grief and the sadness aren't the end, nor are they the beginning. The beginning is the gladness, and the end is the gladness as well. Even the scripture passages that uh, surround the nativity, the coming of Christ, they warn us, right? They warn us of the cost of the joy that is coming. They warn us by the humble circumstances in which our Lord comes into the world. They warn us, of course, in uh, the whole episode with the Magi and with Herod, and the warnings that are given there and what's going to come forth after that, after the section that we read this morning. They warn us in the words of Simeon. And Simeon addresses this idea as well, the cost of the joy. But this this today, this isn't Good Friday. This isn't that day. This is Christmas. And this shows us the joyful intent and purpose of God. So who needs this gift of joy that is given in the birth of Christ? Who needs to hear joyful words in a Christmas movie that I enjoy very much, but I won't share the title of it because there are some off-color moments and some of you may be offended with me for admitting that I like and enjoy uh, this particular movie. Nevertheless, there's a scene in this movie where the main character who is, handsome, and powerful, and rich, and successful, is engaged with an angel, and unaware of being engaged with an angel. And he makes this statement, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And that's the pivot point. That's the turn point in the movie, because the angel then says, you, you don't need anything? Uh, and he says, I've got all I need. And, uh, and of course, then the rest of the movie is the story of how God, the angel, reveals to this man his actual poverty, the actual poverty of his life, the impoverishment of his soul and of his spirit. Who needs the joy that the Father sends and Jesus brings at his coming? Now, if we were to turn to places in the Bible to ask, to answer that question, of course, there are any number of places that we could turn. Uh, I've already been uh, in Isaiah 61, right? Isaiah 61 begins with the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the poor the brokenhearted, the captives, those who were bound, those who mourn, those who are faint in spirit, those people need joy. If we turn to Psalm 107, we could add to that list, the lost, the homeless, the displaced, the hungry, those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, those in trouble, those in distress. Psalm 107 works its way through each one of those types of people as it moves along. From Jesus' own life, if we ask, who needs joy? Well, you could say the blind need joy, the deaf, the lame, the mute, the sick, or the weary and the heavy laden. From the Christmas narrative itself, Zechariah and Elizabeth need joy. Priests then need joy. Old people need joy. Barren people need joy. Joseph and Mary, young people need joy. Common, ordinary, lowly people need joy. From Simeon and Anna, we find out that oppressed people need joy. People who are under the oppression, in this case of the Roman authorities, and who are waiting for some kind of consolation, some kind of comfort, some kind of deliverance to come from God, those kind of people need joy. Shepherds need joy. And then with the shepherds, there's this really interesting statement that is made, and I didn't read this when I opened with this. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for all the people. Now, theologians look at that statement right there at this point in uh, the story of God, the redemptive history of God, and they debate. All the people is a rather inclusive term what does it actually mean all the people well some would say uh, that it means all Israel that at this stage what we're really talking about and how they would have interpreted that is all of Israel needs to hear this good news these joyful tidings others would say that no 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 we're we're talking about all of the people of the earth need to hear this good news this joyful news. Now, I'm inclined to the latter of those, given the trajectory of the story as a whole, and I've preached it that way uh, in the past. But for a moment, let's allow it to be in its most restrictive sense. The good news is for all the people, all of Israel, uh, all of the people of God from from throughout history who have been Abraham's descendants. They're the ones who need good news. Well, there's another nativity story, and we read it this morning, it is when the Magi come. When the Magi come and when they make their visit from the east, they are most certainly, most definitely not Israel. They are the other peoples of the earth represented. And when they came and they saw where the star rested, that it rested over the place where the child was, what do we read? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Who then needs the joy of Jesus? The, the, the anointing oil of gladness that he brings, that it is then spoken by Jesus. Who needs that joy? I want to answer it with this way, this from Psalm 148. Kings of earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together old men and children. Everybody. Everybody. From from the least to the greatest, from the greatest to the least in this sad world that is full of lonely, sin-torn, relationally ripped apart, hungry, needy, desperate people. There's not one. There is not one of us who doesn't need the joy in Jesus. We all need this joy. You need this joy that the angels are announcing, that the angels are promising in the coming of this child. You need it, and God the Father is determined to present it to you, to gift him to you, joy incarnate, and to give him to you into this sad world. The words of the angel to Zechariah are words that then get often repeated, but what the angel says to Zechariah is, you will have joy and gladness. You, you, Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness. In, uh, the, on the front of your bulletins, I just put one passage there. It shows the prophetic expectation of exactly that. From Isaiah 35, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness. It'll anoint you, it'll be poured all over your head. Zechariah, that's the promise. Now, that joy will be made full and complete when King Jesus returns, when he establishes the new heavens and the new earth. Understand, we are not there yet, okay? We are not there yet when all that we experience is joy and gladness. But as the Christmas passages and the rest of the New Testament make abundantly clear, the joy breaks in, And it begins to grow with the coming of this son into the world at the fullness of time when the father sent him forth joy breaks in and joy begins to grow in light then of this joy the joy that is promised by the prophets that is given by the father that is embodied in the Son, that is distributed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is proclaimed by the angels. I've got two things, and they're they're not hard to think about, or they're they're probably harder to do than they are uh, to think about them and understand them. But two things for us to consider, two reflections, two things for you to ponder on. If joy, this is the first, has been given, then joy must be received. Which is to say this, that we have a part to play with respect to our possession of this joy. With respect to our, forgive the redundancy here, enjoyment of this joy of Jesus. We will read in our final reading in just a few moments. That he came to his own people, but his own did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become the children of of God. Now, when children get a gift, I've already been shown this morning some of the gifts that children received either last night or early this morning. When children get a gift, they're excited about it. They want to receive it. They want to open it. And when they open it, what they want to do is play with it, right? Is to engage with it, to play with it. Joy is given to be received and engaged, used, employed, enjoyed, play with, play with the joy that God has given. It is given to us, this joy, but remember this, and you know this from scripture well enough, it is also commanded of us, right? The, the joy is given to us, and then the command exists, and it sounds like this, we won't even turn anywhere to say, rejoice always, right? That's the command that's given to us, rejoice always. That implies this, it implies that we have a responsibility with respect to this gift that has been given unto us. We're not merely passive in receiving joy, we're not merely reactive as if when some good thing is done for us by God or by someone else, then we will be joyful, and we're not passive just in the sense that we're sitting there waiting to be joyful or to be made joyful by God. Instead, it means that for our part, there must be, with respect to joy, a deliberateness about it, a determination. Even, and I, and I use this word very intentionally here, even with respect to joy, a resolve. A resolve regarding this joy in the Lord. We all know that it is not easy to be joyful in this world sometimes even at or perhaps especially at Christmas. Grumpiness is easier than joy. It's easier to be sullen. It's easier to refuse to be happy than to be joyful. Joy then is a gift and it is a determination for even the people of God A couple of years ago when peace was my theme for a Christmas service series, I finished with this verse from Romans 14, which says this, so then let us pursue what makes for peace. Let us pursue what makes for peace. Peace is a gift. It's just like joy. I could have used peace throughout this entire service instead of joy, but I used joy. Anyway, peace is a gift that is given to us, right? And then Paul says, let us pursue what makes for peace. Now substitute the word joy. So then, let us pursue what makes for joy. You have to pursue it, to pursue that joy. That's the first reflection here. Here's the second, and we'll we'll use we'll use that first reflection to pivot to the second. Pursue not only your joy, but do pursue your joy. Pursue not only practicing your own joy, but practice your own joy. Be resolved not only about your own joy, but be resolved about your own joy in the Lord. But pursue, practice, be resolved to pursue the joy of others as well. Think about this question. How do I bring joy to those who are around me. How do I do it? Sisters, how do you bring joy to your brother? Brothers, how do you bring joy to your sisters? How do you bring joy to your spouse? How do you bring joy to your parents or to your grandparents or to your grandkids, etc.? How do you bring joy to your neighbors? How do you bring joy to your friends? How do you bring joy to the people with whom you work? How do you bring joy to the UPS man? How do you bring joy to your mailman? How do you bring joy to the trash men who come to your door? How do you bring joy to the cashier? How do you bring joy to others? For those of you who have received Christ, you have become a receiver of his joy. Now consider how can you become a distributor of that joy. Remember that the Father so loved you that he was determined. He was determined not only to give you joy, but let me use words from scripture. He was determined not only to give you joy, but to increase your joy increase your joy. That's a line from Isaiah chapter 9. We read it last night. We didn't read it this morning. But in Isaiah chapter 9, it says that you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Imitate your father. Imitate your father. Your father's business is increasing the joy, is bringing joy to others. Imitate your father. Your father spreads joy to other people as the font of of all joy. He's given to us his son and his spirit. And through his son, we are enabled to see all of the myriad ways, literally countless ways that God has brought joy into our lives. They all ultimately come from him. He is the source of all of those things. Through Jesus, they're they're ministered to us in so many different ways, but we see all of them in Christ. Now, employ your redeemed, image-bearing creativity to consider how you can bring joy to others. In one of my news feeds, uh, over the past couple of weeks. The word of the year popped up. The Oxford word of the year popped up. Now, take this with a grain of salt, okay? Uh, because this is voted on by, I don't know, Oxford readers, something or other, voted on this, so it's worth about that, okay? Just, this is just a poll that's out there. What's the word of the year? Well, here's the word of the year. It's two words. Goblin mode. Goblin mode. I didn't know goblin mode. Did you know goblin mode? I didn't know it. I had to look up. What is goblin mode? I saw the article. I was intrigued. Okay, what's goblin mode? Here's goblin mode. Behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Well, I would submit to you that that's different than the year of the Lord's favor. And if that is the word of the year, How much do we need to take up the call to be ambassadors of the joy of Jesus Christ coming into the world? In a world that says, I'm going into goblin mode. He's in goblin mode. She's in goblin mode. I'm going into goblin mode. No, 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 no. No, we come bearing good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. So two things to ponder. How do you more deliberately lay hold of this joy in Christ? And how do you more deliberately give that joy to others? We, by his grace, have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The call is spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That's the spirit of Christmas. Hear, than the joyful words. Great God in heaven, thank you for the gift of joy that you have brought into our lives. Many of us have walked with you for a number of years. Help us to remember what the darkness was like and what the light is now like. Help our children to remember it. Help our children to know it to see the light and the joy that you have brought in that comes from you, that comes only from knowing you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God, for applying it, for bringing forth that fruit in our lives. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Stand with me. let